Psalm chapter 34 this evening. Psalm chapter 34. We're going to finish out this psalm this evening. It is good to see you here in the house of the Lord, and we do look forward to what the Lord will continue to do through our church and through our assembly. Psalm chapter number 34. Once you find your place in God's Word, we'll be reading our text for this evening. You can remain seated for the reading of our text. Psalm chapter number 34, and we're going to begin our reading in verse number 15. Psalm 34, beginning in verse 15, we'll read to the end of the chapter. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Tonight we'll be considering these last truths that we find in this psalm, Psalm 34. Let's pray this evening. Our Father, we come into your presence at this time. And Lord, we ask for your blessing on the preaching service. We pray, Lord, that you would take the words of the scripture and the words of the preaching and that you would bless the hearts of those that are here. Lord, help us to consider these truths. And I pray, Lord, that they would be an encouragement to your people. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of Sunday nights ago, we began our study in Psalm chapter number 34 in the middle of the passage where we dealt with the teaching of the fear of the Lord. We learned last week how that David, who was in this valley of affliction, confined to a cave, sang this song that was filled with spiritual truths that we as God's people should be exhorted by. His resorting to God to bless him in the midst of his trials, is a, it should be a great encouragement to us. His focus on God, instead of focusing on his problem, should be a great encouragement to us. He started this psalm in the midst of this great valley of affliction in his life, while on the run from his enemies, going through a difficult time, going through a time when he was experiencing very few earthly enjoyments, he resorted to blessing the Lord in verse number one. I will bless the Lord at all times. Not only did he bless the Lord personally, but he also invited other people to bless the Lord or to magnify the Lord with him. In verse number three, he said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Not only did David personally resort to blessing the Lord. He invited other people to bless the Lord. He could do the same thing to us tonight. May God give us some spiritual truth from this, is that when we are going through trials, when we're going through troubles, we should resort to corporately worshiping God, to lifting up His name. God is still good even in the midst of our problems. His encouragement is, is definitely an admonition to many who revel and wallow in their problems, making much of their problems instead of making much of the Savior. Most of us are professionals at this. 
We're professionals when things aren't going right. To focus upon our problem, to make much about our problem, to focus our minds upon it, to think about it, to wallow in our frustrations instead of thinking we have a great God in heaven who can help us even in the midst of troubles. So David's admonitions to fear the Lord is also seen here in the midst of Psalm chapter number 34. The fear of the Lord was a great study, guarding our tongue from evil and deceit, departing from evil and seeking peace and pursuing it, which you find in the verses of uh, Psalm 34, 11 through 14. So tonight we finish this psalm while considering these difficulties of life that not only David had, but we all will have. David had a difficult life. And his existence was hard, not only at this time, but at many other times in life. His life was an existence of struggle. Perhaps you could identify. Life isn't always easy. Life is very difficult. When people run into health problems, when people have wayward children, when people have heartaches and heartbreaks. In verse number 4, at the end of the verse, you'll find that David had fears. In verse number 6, you find David saying that he was crying and that the Lord delivered him out of troubles. So there's crying and trouble seen in verse number 6. In verse number, in verse number 17, again, we find the subject of crying and troubles. In verse 18, we find the subjects of a broken and contrite spirit. And in verse number 19, it makes a declaration that many are the afflictions of the righteous. My question is... Does this sound like the existence you were promised by health, wealth, and prosperity preachers? Does this sound like the existence you hear from normal radio and TV preachers who basically say that if you serve the Lord, only good things will happen to you? If you would, flip your Bible over to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. I'll let you know the chapter in just a second. I believe we're going to be in chapter number 3. This is what we would call a Baptist preacher rabbit trail. First Thessalonians, chapter number 3. The church at Thessalonica was started very quickly. You, you can read about it in Acts chapter number 17. Paul was in this city for just a period of a few weeks, and they assaulted the house of a, guy's, a guy named Jason in Acts chapter number 17. Many people believed on the Lord in this city. And so he wrote back to the church at Thessalonica in the days that came. And in verse number 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. In verse 3, it says that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we were appointed thereunto. From this passage of Scripture, I would like to say this. Afflictions are not designed to move us. Verse number three, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. Afflictions sometimes make us stronger. Afflictions cause us to resort to the Lord. And Paul warned these folks that affliction was coming. Verse 4, for verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass. And ye know, you know, Paul did not hide the fact that the Christian life was going to have its troubles, its difficulties. 
Who promised you that you would have a life of no troubles? Who promised you that life would be simple after trusting in Christ? Life is certainly not simple. Life is certainly not easy. Life is difficult. Who promised you this life? Because the scriptures declare that life is full of trouble. Job chapter number 14, if you would flip your Bible back there. Job, of course, we know, was someone who suffered greatly in life. He suffered great afflictions. His friends turned their back on him. They were miserable comforters to him. He declared that. In Job chapter 14, in verse number 1, he, he declares this. Man that is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. I met one preacher who said that was his life verse. Now that wouldn't be exactly my life verse. I have a few. I like Hebrews eleven six, which says, But without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he is God, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I like that. God rewards those who diligently seek him. That is true. God rewards us when we set our heart to seek him. You can't seek the Lord and not find him. He's going to be found. It may take some time, but you're going to find him. The Lord's not hiding in a corner. Or, and if it feels as if he's hiding in a corner, it will not last long. Sometimes the Lord puts us through times of darkness to cause us to trust Him. He brought you out before, He'll bring you out again. Another life verse of mine is in Psalm chapter 84 and verse number 11. One time I was reading my Bible in front of my kitchen window on a house on Peacock Street in in St. Clair, Missouri. And at that time in my life, nothing good seemed to be going on in my life. I mean, absolutely nothing good. I mean, I I was almost sitting around like Job was in Job chapter number 10. My soul is weary of life, he says. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. Have you ever been there? Job had been. I've been. But I was reading in Psalm chapter 84 and verse number 11, which says this. For the Lord God is a sun and shield... The Lord will give grace and glory, and then it gives this promise. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. That's a great promise. If you young people were to listen to this and apply your hearts to it and believe it, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly, which means you keep a clean heart before God, you live before God, God's not going to hold you from good things. Do parents withhold their children from good things when they do right? Now, when I was a child, I learned what the word no meant often. When I asked my mother if I could have a candy bar, she said no, often. Very rarely did we get anything extra. That was because we were poor, we lived on a tight budget, and looking at me, you could hardly tell. I didn't need a candy bar. But the Bible speaks of God not withholding good things to those that walk uprightly. In Luke chapter number 11, when the Lord was teaching his disciples to pray, you find that the Lord knows how to give good gifts to his children. We know how to give good gifts to our children. Certainly God knows how to good gifts, give good gifts to us. Back to Psalm chapter number 34 
In Psalm chapter number 34, in spite of the fact that we serve a good God, in spite of the fact that God will not withhold good things from us, God never promised us a life of ease. God never promised us a life with no troubles. We know that this world is going to be filled with difficulties, with tears, and with troubles. In verse number 6 of Psalm 34, he says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all of his troubles. David likens himself to a poor man full of tears, but the blessing of the passage was is that God was listening. The Lord heard him. Has the Lord ever heard you? Does the Lord hear your prayers? I mean, when's the last time, if you're able, that you knelt a knee down to the Lord and poured out your soul to the Lord? And not just that, you knew that the Lord heard you. You know, God doesn't always answer our prayers when we want Him to answer our prayers. How many of you have something going on in your life right now that may not be made right for many years? I know that there are some, we heard some praying today about children and grandchildren, even great-grandchildren. People are out of church. People are away from the Lord. God doesn't always just snap the finger and make all those things right, right then and there. But we have a hope in God. That us bringing our prayers to the Lord, that He will hear us. And that He will bring circumstances into the lives of people to bring the help that they need. Verse number 6 declares that this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. And the Lord saved him out of all of his troubles. Repeated afflictions come, as the one writer said, not as lightning on the scathed tree, blasting it yet more and more, but as the strokes of the sculptor on the marble block, forming, forming it into the image of beauty and loveliness. Let but the divine presence be felt, and no lot is hard. Let me but see his hand, and no event is unwelcomed. In verse number 18, the Bible declares this, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. That is a good passage of Scripture to memorize. For many of us have a broken heart. There are some times when we're in the middle of a prayer service where there's something that's so heavy on my heart, There's something that I've brought to the Lord so many times in private. And by the way, some things that are going on in your heart are only meant for you and the Lord. Maybe your spouse. Now, if I get close enough to you, I'll share some of my heavy burdens with you. But there's going to have to be a little bit of trust before we get there. You need to be careful even those, you know, even those who you share your heavy burdens with. You know, sometimes people, especially young people, share especially close secrets of their heart and burdens of their heart. And then when the friendship falls apart, they notice that a friend didn't have a faithful spirit and they started blabbing things that could only embarrass them. You do need to be careful about who is closest with you. As for me, I have determined not to allow my closest relationships to be with those who are critical. If you determine to have close relationships with those who are critical, it is likened to going into a, into a barn where somebody is standing behind the door with a two-by-four and you get smacked over the head once with it and then you just keep walking into the barn every time without looking up to the left or to the right wherever you're getting smacked from. Listen, having critical people in your life will destroy you. 
especially having them very close to you because it will not take long for them to tear your life down. All of us have things in our lives that other people don't maybe understand or know. But I, I, as a person, would like to be an understanding and compassionate person. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. (laughs) But the Bible speaks of this, that the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Some of you have a broken heart for your sisters or your brothers. Some of you have a broken heart for a family member, your your children. I have no doubt that the prayers of God's people are often lifted up to the Lord over somebody that is so close to them. You know, if a child cries in church, a child cries in church, how many of you just love going to a restaurant that sounds like a Baptist nursery? Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. But if it's your child, if your child is the one crying, hold on a second, everything stops because that child is crying. The scripture talks about this, that God is close. God is nigh. When you meet people that have this broken heart, we can encourage them, as David encourages us here, that the Lord is nigh. He is close to them that are of a broken heart. There are some situations in life that are confusing. David was going through a confusing time of his life during this time. You think he predicted in his life when Samuel came to anoint him to be the next king over Israel that there would come days in his life for probably over 10 years that he was on the run from Saul? You think that he thought he was going to be baptized into a life of affliction where a crazed man who not only wanted to kill him but tried to kill his own son was trying to kill him for many years? Do you think David planned on this? Of course he didn't. He was at a confused place in life. How many of us have been confused? Lord, I I thought you told me to do this. Lord, I'm trying my best to follow you. Why are things working out in this way? Have you ever been confused at something in church? (laughs) Have you ever been confused at something in your home? Things that are going on with your children? Have you ever gone through this time where you just couldn't make sense of what was going on? Trust me, when the Bible says this, the Lord is close to you when you cry out to him. He's nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. That is a blessing to those of us who are Christians. You know, for those that have a broken heart, you know that the Lord is close. I'm thankful when I have a close friend. I'm thankful when somebody is close. It's not good to be alone. You know, it's one of the reasons that God gave us the gift of marriage. It was God that designed it. He said it wasn't good that man should be alone. In 1 Kings chapter number 19, I believe it was Elijah in that passage of Scripture who left his servant alone so that he could go off in the wilderness, which is where an angel of God came and helped Elijah. Elijah didn't want to be around his servant at his lowest point. Sometimes being alone is certainly not what the doctor ordered, if you will. But there are times of loneliness in life, and there are times of broken hearts in life, and we know that God is close. Have you sensed the presence of the Lord being close to you when you had that broken heart? It does take for us to turn to the Lord during times like this. You know, if you took all the admonitions in this chapter out that had to deal with the psalmist crying to the Lord or looking to the Lord during times of difficulty, all you would have is all the negatives. The crying, the trouble, the afflictions. You know, in verse number 19, it declares that many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many. Are you dealing with affliction this evening? Now there are many types of afflictions. 
You know, I, w- I would say the hardest affliction that Jesus Christ himself went through was not the physical affliction. Although many of us are going to go through physical affliction. Our lives, our bodies will not last forever. Our bodies are going to go back to the dust from whence we came. Doesn't matter how healthy you are, doesn't matter how many marathons you run, how many push-ups you do, how much water you drink. Now you may prolong your life, but this body doesn't last forever. Matter of fact, the Bible says that the space of a man is three score years and ten, and if you get any more than that, they're going to be filled with trouble and sorrow. Because our bodies break down. Sometimes they break down as a result of bad decisions we make. We can certainly prolong our lives and our days uh, with some decisions, but our lives are not going to last forever, and some of us are going to go through a valley of tears before we get on to glory. I've met a great many people, and by the way, all of us are going that way. I don't know what tragedies are going to befall you and your family. In a group this size, somebody's going to have some tragedy in their family. In a group this size, somebody's going to have a child that may not make it longer than the parents. In a group this size, there's going to be some tragedies in the future. I mean, in church life, things happen. Unexpected deaths take place. Unexpected trials, unexpected diseases, unexpected things just happen. But that doesn't make God any less good. It's an affliction when someone's husband or someone's wife goes home to be with the Lord, leaving them behind. That's an affliction. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. We think of the health afflictions that people have, and there's all manners of afflictions that people are dealing with. But what I speak of more than that, I believe the hardest afflictions Christ had were those that were those of spiritual affliction. When he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I believe he went through the, the worst agony that he had ever experienced in life. Some people are going through spiritual afflictions, things that they have strong desires. I mean, how many of you had a dream for somebody that was in your life and that dream was shattered and it's in many, many pieces? How many of your families sometimes you've gone through that? I remember going through a time personally where it felt like my family was like a glass plate. That someone had dropped on a tile floor. There was only pieces left here and there and over here and over there. And I wondered, Lord, could you ever heal such a thing? Could you ever put this back together? I still believe that there is a God who is close to those who are of a broken heart. And I still believe in a God who answers prayer. The scripture says this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Afflictions encourage us to pray. We as God's people are more apt to visit the altar and spend time in our prayer closet when life is hard. It is sad that prosperity does its number on God's people. When things are going good, we don't pray as often as we should. When things are going hunky-dory, everything's going good. We don't pray as often as we should. We don't see our need for the Lord as much as we should. But afflictions drive us to pray. As a matter of fact, sometimes it's good to be uh, afflicted. David said that because some of his afflictions took place to him because of his sin. And trust me when I say this, for the young and old, From side to side, front to back, doesn't matter. The Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. If you live a life in sin, there's going to be repercussions and consequences for that. It is not easy. But hopefully, along with the psalmist, you could say it was good for me to be afflicted. God doesn't afflict us for no reason. Many times he's trying to mold us and make us and get more out of our lives than he otherwise would have been able to do 
Afflictions encourage us to pray. Afflictions also bring us the Lord's hearing ear. Afflictions bring us to the hearing ear of the Lord. I'd like to say this, that some of your problems you can't solve. I don't like that. Some of you men are fixers. You want to fix everything. Listen, your children that are wayward are not like fixing a flat tire. You can't just go outside with a four-way and jack the thing up and put a new tire on it. Some things require something that's above you. And wayward children need that. They need a parent who's going to trust the Lord. You can't fix them. But God can. There are some men, and, and I come from a long line, a long line of fixers. I see a problem, I hear about a problem, and I want to do what I can to fix it. Some spiritual problems take a whole lot more than your effort to fix. And as a pastor, I can't fix everybody's problems. As a, as a woman, I don't know what it's like to be a woman, but you ladies, you can't fix everybody's problems. As a man in the church, you may want to fix people's problems. You can't get the job done. But as the songwriter said, I know a man who can. Oh, but I know a man who can. There's a man named Jesus who can fix problems. And sometimes the fixing of people is going to take a little bit of trust in the Lord on the part of God's people. God doesn't design you to fix people's spiritual problems. Sometimes you just need to get out of the way. Let God fix people. God can do it, can he? Has he not brought spiritual health to us? Has God not set some problems in order? You say, I'm having a problem in my marriage. Does God not know how to fix marriage? God's the one who designed marriage. God can help you with your marriage. Now, I'm not saying that counsel isn't important. Counsel sometimes can be very important. But the greatest thing that can happen in a marriage is if two people are centered on Christ, putting Christ first. You guys put Christ first, your marriage is gonna, you're going to get through. I've always believed that, that there is no problem that two people who are committed to the Lord cannot solve. Now, you may walk away agreeing to disagree, but you're still going to have the love of Christ, the compassion of Christ. The Bible also says that there's a particular order to things, and if you just read the Bible, you're going to get the principles by which God can help you solve a problem. But what I'm saying is, is you can't fix everybody. But we know that the Lord can. You know, when God provides the salvation to our prayers, when he comes through with an answered prayer, that's a whole lot better than if you try to manipulate a situation and do it your own way. Hey, listen, you can dabble your fingers into that which belongs to the Lord. You certainly can. God wants us to trust him. You know, there are some times when we go down to the altar and we just pour our hearts out. Lord, this is the hardest thing that I've ever been through. Our, our hearts are broken. We, we look to you. We don't have all the answers. Have you ever been able to say that to the Lord? Lord, I don't know what to do. There was a songwriter who once said, when I don't know what to do, teach me, Lord, to trust in you. If you don't know what to do, don't do anything. That's not bad advice. 
Sometimes you just need to bow the knee before the Lord and pour it out before the Lord like a glass. If all of your troubles and your afflictions were inside of a glass like a a cup of water, sometimes it's good to just pour that out. Pour it out before the Lord. But when you stand up off the altar, the tears should somewhat stop. I'm trusting Him. It's good to cry to the Lord, but we don't spend our lives perpetually crying. We get up, we trust. We're trusting you to have your way. Now, even if our prayers aren't answered the way we want to right then, God is still worthy of our love, of our closest affection. The scripture says in verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Here's the good news. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. The Lord is a master at delivering the righteous from trouble. He does allow troubles to come into our lives. Some, some troubles that we go through are like whirlwind storms. They're in our lives one day and they're out the next. And sometimes some of those whirlwind storms can really, storms can shake us to the very core of our being. Other storms last for a long period of time and you wonder, Lord, is this ever going to end? Most seasons of life is just that. It lasts for a season. And what we have to do as God's people is be cooperative with how the Lord's trying to use things in our lives to mold us and help us. Has it ever occurred to you that sometimes the Lord allows these afflictions to come into your life to show you His power? That He is your God? That He was even the God of the hard times? He was even the God who allowed you to go through times of confusion, hardship, and difficulty to bring out something out of your life I've used this illustration before, and you'll probably hear me say it again. There was an old preacher friend of mine who, he wore this cologne, and I think it was called Cody or something like that. He had a really unique smell to him. And apparently there was a widow in his church who asked him to stop wearing that cologne because that cologne reminded her of her husband who had gone on to be with the Lord. That smell was associated with her husband. And he gave a story about how he would walk into that, I believe it was the same woman's home, who would take a rose out of her garden. And she would begin to beat that rose in her hand all the way throughout the house. And all the way throughout the house, there was that aroma. That aroma that filled the house of that rose. Because as the rose was being beaten down, that fragrance was coming out of the rose. I can only imagine as I was, if I were to have come to the place of sacrifice in the Old Testament, how that people had taken a lamb and they had slain a lamb and they had cut it up in pieces and they were putting some of the best meat that was on that lamb on the altar and they began to put that fire to that meat. We hear about this through the Old Testament, how that there was an offering of a sweet-smelling savor that came up into the nostrils of the Lord, if you will. You know when God gets the most glory out of our lives is when he puts us in his hand like that rose and begins to beat upon us and crush us. And we still give him the praise and the honor that is due his name. Even when things in our life, when we're going through these times of affliction, are you giving God this kind of praise? David certainly understood that throughout this entire psalm. The crying, the fears the broken heart, and the afflictions. 
Closing out the chapter, I believe verse number 20 is a reflection and even a prophetic utterance of the bones of the Lord. I've, met, I've read many commentaries about what verse number 20 is dealing with, where it says, He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Some liken that to, uh, to uh, some of them, and I think they're wrong about that, is, are liking it to the church. But I believe that, you know, there's only so far that the devil can go. I believe that the Lord puts a stop to our afflictions when they bring us right up to that brink. The devil can't touch you and do anything to your life that hasn't gone across the desk of the Lord. Any tragedy, any difficulty that you have gone through, if we believe in the providence of God, we know that God oversaw and somehow he's going to work it out for good in our lives. The scripture makes a declaration in verse 21. This really isn't a message for those who sit before me unless... You're someone who's never received the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. I really don't think that describes many people who are in church on a Sunday night. But in verse number 21, it is true nonetheless. Evil does slay the wicked. And I know that there are people that are out there who despise the righteous. They're everywhere. The devil hates the righteous. You realize this, that if you're here tonight and you love the Lord Jesus Christ, the devil hates you? He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy anything that is good. But I thank the Lord that the Lord's delivered us from that. I thank the Lord that God has come through for us. The Bible says in verse 22 that the Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. God may send you through some times of leanness. He may send you through some times of troubles or affliction. He may send you through some times when things are going wrong in your life. But hold on, child of God. The Lord may just be trying to chip off your rough edges, to mold you, to make you, to get away, get some of that dross out of your life. It is clear from this passage that even righteous people have great, great troubles and afflictions. But my encouragement to God's people is this. Allow your afflictions to to draw you close to the Lord. If our afflictions encourage us to pray and afflictions bring the Lord's hearing ear, we also need to understand that afflictions allow us to enjoy deliverance. You know, the prodigal son would have never known the joy of being forgiven had he never not departed from the house. Of course, we would have never wanted the prodigal to depart from the house. Who who wants their kids to go wayward, to just sow their wild oats, to get it out of them? In some cases, it doesn't matter what you say or what you do. And some of you young people are destined for this. You're going to live the life of the prodigal and you're going to get off into a far-off country. You say, how could you say that? Every kid doesn't stay home, folks. You say, but I raised them this way. And listen, the seed of Adam's pretty powerful in your children, just like it was in mine and even in your life. Just because you do everything the way you're supposed to does not mean that the devil you know, and it can't get involved in your young people's lives. And by the way, you as parents are going to have to experience the, you know, the wisdom of how to deal with that. Do I trust the Lord with them? How do I deal with my children? You know, you say, well, no, that's not happening to me. I've met a great many people who, when they raised young children, seemed like they had the corner on everything about child rearing. 
until their child turned 13. Just keep your seatbelt on if you think you have all the answers. Keep your seatbelt on and pray. And just remember, too, that, that that passage in the Bible that talks about judge not, that is actually true. God does bring things back around on people. Has he ever brought anything back around on you? Guilty. <laughs> I have learned, Lord, I don't want to go through that again. Be careful how you pass the test of suffering. You may find yourself going through it again. But I'd also like to say this. Afflictions cause us to revel in the deliverance of the Lord. Deliverance comes to those who are righteous. The Bible talks about this in verse number 22. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants. The Bible says in verse 19 at the end, the Lord delivereth them out of all their afflictions. Hey, it's a blessing to know that God's deliverance is nigh. Now, at the end of our lives, total deliverance will come from our glorification. One day, we're not even going to be in the presence of sin anymore. We get saved, we get justified, we get forgiven, past, present, and future. Then we go through this process called sanctification, where, you know, we got to put off and put on, and we're just getting closer to the Lord. And God sometimes has to discipline us when we get out of the way and restore fellowship with us. But I look forward to the day when one day I get glorified out of this body. When this body of sin gets put down, I'm not going to deal with sin anymore. Do you know that when we get to heaven, we're not going to be subject to sin anymore? We're not going to be able to fall? The Bible even talks about this, that the Lord's able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the Father. Hey, I'm looking forward to going and meeting the Lord. I don't want to meet Him today. (laughs) If I did, great for me. I'm sad for my family if I go. But listen... When the Lord chooses for me to go, it's going to be a glorious day. When I say goodbye to this old world, there will be no more sweet hour of prayer at that point. There will be no more broken hearts at that point. The Lord's going to dry up all of our tears. All these afflictions will be over. I hope that's an encouragement to you tonight. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we prepare for this verse of invitation. Maybe God is dealing with something in your heart. You say, Pastor, you don't know, but I'm going through a lot of time right now of affliction and troubles. I'm hurting. Can I encourage you? Can I encourage you tonight to know that the Lord's close to you? If you have a broken heart, some of you have a broken heart. Listen, would you let God bring that soothing balm of Gilead to your soul? Bring the help that you need. Our God is someone who stands ready to help. If you've got a broken heart, if you've got a going through a season of affliction, going through a time of fear, I want to encourage you to seek after the Lord and trust in Him. As we sing this number, I need the
I need thee every hour. And there's no doubt in a crowd this side, besides so many afflictions and troubles, only God would know all the burdens of our hearts. But I know this, we need the presence of God. And things in our life do come, come to make sense with the Lord. There are also things that we're not going to understand until we get on the other side. The songwriter said, well, we'll understand it better by and by. We don't always understand, but we know this, that God does promise that He's working things out for good, for the good of those who love Him. If you're going through some manner of affliction, if there's a brokenness in your life and in your heart, I want to let you know that the Lord... The Lord says he's close to you. The Bible says the Lord is close. The Lord's nigh. Just like that woman who didn't want to smell that fragrance because it reminded her of her husband, may we all get the fragrance of the Lord who comes near to us in the midst of our greatest afflictions. We'll sing this one more verse. If no one else comes, we're going to close. Let's sing. I need every sister let's sing this to the lord i need the every hour on the first verse without the instruments i need the every Father, we pray as we're dismissed tonight that you'd cause us to reflect upon what your word says about the afflictions of the righteous and our troubles. We know, Lord, we have a place to go. We can call out to you. And I pray, Lord, that you'd give us grace to trust you in the midst of the most troublesome situations as David did. I pray, Lord, that you would cause us, as David did, to focus upon you, to bless your name, to be faithful to the worship, to focus on you, not our problem. And Lord, I do pray that this week you'll give us a week of of victory and help. Lord, I know that uh, many have been busy to invite others. We pray, Lord, that you'd bless the work of our hands. Uh, For those that are ministering and laboring in your field and your vineyard, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, give us souls for our labor. Help us, Lord, to reach uh, as many as possible here in this community. I pray you'd also keep us safe. I pray you'd put a hedge of protection about your church. And I pray you'd bring us back the next appointed time. Keep those safe. We'll be driving home this evening. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You're dismissed.